Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the V-Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson, Director of Industry Analysis for V-Auto, and I'm here today with Russ Daniels, Senior Manager of Product Marketing for HomeNet and V-Auto. Russ, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Lance. Thanks for having me. You bet. If I may, it seems if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you might have noticed a slightly different music bed for what we're doing here. Turns out, Russ wrote it and performed on it. Russ, what's that music all about? Yeah, so in a prior life, let's say, I played a bit of music with a group of guys out of my hometown right outside the Philadelphia area. We put out a series of albums, instrumental albums, and mm. did a good bit of touring in the local area. Went, went on the West Coast a little bit. Yeah, still doing it a little bit more today, but you know, obviously now I'm focused a little bit more on, on the automotive industry and where that's going from a merchandising perspective. And when you think about merchandising, it's kind of that art and science coming together too because mm -hmm. you've got the art of taking a really good photograph and understanding your product and being able to put it out in a good light and you also have the, the science behind it too what's really going to drive engagement when it comes to merchandising what are consumers thinking about you got the old life with the music and the art and that now you got that combined with some of the the new life here with automotive. You hung up the guitar to help car dealers. Yeah, yeah, I'm, tr I'm trying to get to it, but for the listeners as well, Lance, don't sell yourself short. You know, you're, you're quite the drummer as well. Well, yeah, I, I play, uh, I wouldn't say quite the drummer. There's a lot of guys that can smoke my chops. But, <laughs> but let's talk about merchandising and maybe specifically the elements of successful merchandising for dealers. Years ago, I remember when the internet first kind of came around and to have a vehicle picture on a website with a little bit of information was pretty much all you had. Today, if I go out as a buyer of a vehicle, you new or used, I want to see a whole lot more. So what's happened maybe in the last couple of years related to the consumer expectations and what they want in terms of merchandising of cars? Yeah. There's no doubt that consumer expectations and the whole consumer shopping experience is evolving. And I'm coming up now on my 10 years in the industry. And you know, when you kind of paint that history lesson like you did, Lance, when you wind those clocks back 10 years, it was very, very different. While the internet had been around, dealerships were still adopting it and learning how to adopt it and leverage it. And where advertising spend was, traditional advertising spend which is you know compared to digital and how that's shifted over the last 10 years, that has a lot to do with consumers and now how they want to purchase and, and shop and research cars. Obviously, over 80% of that shopping for consumers starts online. But when you kind of take a step back from automotive as well, consumer expectations are evolving in everyday life, everything we use. And those expectations of technology continue to elevate. Think about Netflix or think about Uber, right? These are things we use every single day as consumers. What happens when you're watching Netflix and that you know little round circle of buffering happens? Or what happens when you're using Uber and they can't pinpoint exactly where you are in real time in that exact location? You get frustrated as a consumer mm -hmm. that this high quality technology isn't doing exactly what it can do exactly when you need it to. And when you bring that into automotive, you're starting to see a lot of those similar trends when you think about how consumers are shopping. Cox Automotive does car buyer journey study every single year, and they just came out with the newest yep. one. Yep. And year over year, from 17 to 18, and then from 18 to 19, consumers are spending less time in market, going to fewer sites, yet when they're asked what's kind of propelling them to come to the dealership, it's all the research they're doing online. 
So they're doing all this research, but they're spending less time in market and going to fewer sites. Does so, that mean, I'm sorry for interrupting, Wes, but no. does that mean that maybe dealers are at some level satisfying them more so they don't need to spend as much time online? That has a lot to do with it. And I think you can equate it to merchandising and how you are presenting your car visually. I think you can also think about how dealers have adopted pricing strategies and how they've come in and kind of leveled a little bit of the playing field here so you can narrow down to the unit that you want so you're not shopping as much based on price within a similar year make model combination. Uh, I also think it's how they want to shop. They want to go on a third-party site or on social media or on the website and they want the information as quickly as possible and if they're not they're moving on to something else and once they get that experience that they want, they're really gonna hone in on the inventory. And that's why it's important for dealers to start to consider that when they're merchandising the inven their inventory. And so another way of saying that is that all roads ultimately lead to the car, right. pretty much. So let's talk about the car. One is that technology is different and consumer behavior and expectations are different. But, so let's, let's combine those and say, when it comes to merchandising the car itself, what are some of the technologies today that dealers can and perhaps should employ that are resonating with the consumer expectations? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really interesting. You kind of have this uh, newer perspective of some uh, dealership operators or some marketing managers or internet managers that are a little bit newer to the industry and how they're kind of adopting these new technologies that we can talk about. And then you have some other dealer operators that have, they're vets, they've been around for a really long time and they have a really solid process. I would, I would really ask those more experienced dealer operators to kind of take a new fresh look at where technology has come from a merchandising perspective. And what I really think about that is, I think about uh, kind of the basic blocking and tackling to start. You gotta take really good pictures of the inventory. You gotta write a really good vehicle description of the inventory. Got to be able to price that right to market and be able to do that in an efficient way in your dealership. Uh, being able to have good communication from, through the reconditioning process, to have a really good line of communication into the sales process when that car is frontline ready. So that's kind of the basics that, we, that we've adopted over the last, uh, let's call it 10 plus years and really getting that car ready for merchandising. Well, even within those elements of the basic blocking and tackling, there's been great advancements. Let's start with photos. Mm -hmm. So let's start about the, let's think about the content that goes inside of a photo of a vehicle. Uh, you know, if you look on a third party listing site or on a website, you've got the first photo of the inventory. And what does it traditionally have? It has something called an image overlay. It's got a, you know, a banner that's got the dealership's name on it, maybe the phone number, maybe the website. Um, Doesn't and, that get a little too cluttered sometimes? And that does get a little, that does get cluttered sometimes. Yeah. So with the car kind of being that element that you want to put forward, all roads to lead to the car, you, you mentioned that and make a good point. I think that we can do more things leveraging technology to put relevant content into the photograph without making it disruptive or, or cluttered. So for example, being able to put really high uh, impact uh, equipment and, and say, hey, this car has navigation, this car has Bluetooth. Let's put that into the photo. It's going to be in the equipment list lower in the vehicle details page. It, it'll likely be in the vehicle description as well if we're writing good vehicle descriptions. But what we don't know is, is the consumer going to make it down to that lower part of the vehicle details page? How would you know that the, that the consumer actually cares about that first? Yeah. So a lot of things that we've done is we've leveraged consumer research to help dealers make those decisions. 
So there was a technology study that we ran through uh, Kelly Blue Book, and it all was about consumer usage, and we polled them about the equipment details that they want to see more of. Hmm. And we categorized them into a couple key uh, categories, creature comfort, technology, things like that. And then we kind of prioritized them, right? Here's the ones that were at the top, ones like navigation, ones like keyless entry, heated seats, uh, kind of showed up towards the top of that study. So as dealers think about doing it manually or leveraging technology, you want to kind of look at what's out there and what consumers are really thinking about from an equipment perspective and, and use that. There's, so, there's other pieces too, mm -hmm. uh, for like non-equipment pieces. So if you put fresh tires on that car through reconditioning, well, that's really relevant information to tell that consumer, especially with a shot of the exterior. Um, so that, you know, and there's the Carfax One owner and some, some other basics and industry relations that you can come and bring into the photo. But the point being here is you maybe miss an opportunity by not serving relevant content inside of a piece of visual media that we know a consumer is looking at. So um, if, it go, if we go back to the car is this, I guess I'm thinking of the, the choice of what's my first photo if I'm that dealer? What's the, what's the shot of that car that, that I need to have? But what we're saying here is that, well, actually, maybe, maybe it's the nav system. So is there a conflict there where, you know, the car is, just, I mean, are, are consumers really interested in the nav more than kind of the overall look and feel of the car first? Or do we know? Yeah. I yeah. think it depends on the person. It, it, it does. I think that what's interesting, what we find is when you think about what, what photos of the car really drive a, a car shopper to make a decision, a lot of those interior shots do show up at the top of that priority list mm -hmm. with the technology that's there. They want to see you know, what's there on the dashboard. They want to see the different uh, technology. They also want to picture themselves in the experience of sitting in that car and driving it. They're trying to create that emotional connection. But that needs to be a little different than the ordering of the photos and how those show up online. Right. So just because an interior shot is one that really compels them to, to make the decision, those exterior, the, the, that front right shot and that quick little walk around in those first three to four photos, I strongly recommend that we still do that for a couple reasons. First, it's competitive. So you're going to be able on a, you're going to, on a third party site, stack up against a lot of other dealerships. Right. And you want to put that product in, and differentiate yourself. Uh, with the with the with your inventory, and it might just cause a little bit of confusion to go right into the interior because you're maybe not sure exactly what color the car is, a little bit of the condition of the exterior. So while the interior shots are are critical, I still think kind of starting with the exterior photos and going into the interior uh, make a ton, make a ton of sense. That and I guess if, you know if I if I flash back a few years ago, I I remember <clears throat> a key question dealers, and I guess I, I'd maybe say more used car dealers at that time than new than than dealers who were selling new cars or used car managers versus new car managers. Um, the optimal number of photos was maybe 27 or something like that. And, mm -hmm. and just the other day I was talking to a, a used car manager and he's got 75, 80. So I guess what we're saying here per car is that's an attempt on his part to sort of try to capture everything a consumer may want. Right. But is there an optimal number? Let's let's cut to the chase on that. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great question. It's a question I get really every time I'm, I'm talking to dealers about merchandising. And I'll say, I'll kind of tack it two ways. First, uh, you, ha you are an owner and a subject matter expert of your product and your product is your inventory. 
So don't let research or bias get in the way of knowing what is the right amount of photos and the right way to put that product in front of consumers. So it always, you know, at first it'll depend on the car. If it's got a sunroof, if it's got some really interesting technology, uh, with the example you provided, though, like 70 photos, 75 photos. It was I, a truck. By I the would way. hope, exactly. Yeah. I would hope that's a loaded truck yeah. with a yeah. lot of interesting things for that target buyer, which is that truck enthusiast. That would make a lot of sense. So always think about your inventory, be a subject matter expert, and take the right amount of photos. We see research that says the more photos are on the car, it does drive more VDP activity. I think we do need to be a little careful there, though, because there could be some photo fatigue. Yeah. I think that when you think about a Corolla or even like a Volkswagen Jetta, taking 70 photos of that piece of inventory, first of all, I get a little bit nerved about the inefficiency there. You know, time is something you're not going to be able to buy back. And I don't know that you need all those photos to tell that story. Um, the second piece is when we do research, you do see some pretty interesting things from the consumer side. So we asked in a consumer study last year, how many photos do you think is the right amount of photos to, uh, you know, on a piece of inventory to help you move forward in the buying process? This was actually really, really interesting to me. So on the used car side, consumer study, this consumer said an average of 12 photos was enough. On the new car side, 10 photos was enough. Wow. Now that seems low to me just as broad strokes, right? right? I don't know if they're thinking about the interior and exterior shots as a collection of photos and maybe not six or seven like they actually are. But then what I did was I'm like, wow, that was, that was kind of cool. So I went back to my friends at HomeNet and I looked at, let's look across our database of millions of cars and let's look at the average amount of photos on a new car and a used car in market right now, over 7,000 cars we were able to look at. Average amount of photos on a used car, 24. Average amount of photos on a new car, 18. And what's interesting about the new car is it keeps kind of increasing year over year while that 25 to 27, like you said before, Lance, Staying pretty steady on the used car side. Let me, let me push back on that because um, the, 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 I guess I'm thinking of a dealership, you know, where maybe the reason they have 24 to 27 is because the process they put in place seven or eight years ago uh, or five when they built the photo booth and they started taking their own pictures, they haven't looked at it since then. Correct. Um, but I guess what you're saying from what you looked at and maybe the usability or the, the times that those photos were viewed, that that maybe is okay. It's a question perhaps of what you're taking the picture of. Yeah, and it's okay. back to that first part of the answer. Okay. Attack okay. How, you're, how you're actually taking the photos, what types of photos, what types of visualization are you creating. And it, it, goes, it can even extend beyond photos. It goes into video, it goes into 360 capture, and how you're starting to appeal to maybe that more younger or more emerging millennial segment that's starting to interact with things other than photos to make well, that, the decision. Thank you. Thank you for the segue, Russ, because I, a question that came up when you mentioned 10 to 12 is the kind of the, the number that consumers say is sufficient. The first question that came to my mind was, is that because there's video next to the photos, you know, on the VDP? Um, so let's talk about video. How critical is that compared to photos? Do we have a I know a lot of dealers are, are going after it, yeah. you know, uh, adding that. It seems like a good idea, um, but all things considered, where should the emphasis be put? Yeah, so let's, 
let's quantify it based on the consumer and then let's talk about how to operationalize it at the dealership. So if you want to quantify it, what we find is cars with video uh, get about 20% more VDPs per listing based on vehicles without video. So we do see engagement increase a tick on, and these, this is third-party sites. Yeah. Um, so we see some value there. Consumers seem to say, hey, there's a video there. Let's, let's get into that vehicle details page and take a closer look. You know, let me ask a quick question sure. on that. I haven't been... Um on Auto Trader or Cars or Car Gurus, other than just to kind of poke around, yeah. uh, not buying. I don't remember. Do they let you, as a buyer, search for only listings that have videos? Not that I know of. Okay. However, you do bring up a really good point with that, Lance. So on uh, sites like Auto Trader, for example, and I know Cars and Car Gurus do very similar things. But specifically to Auto Trader, they have their relevancy search, mm -hmm. which is their new way of having inventory show up to car shoppers. Yeah. And there's obviously multiple inputs that go into that algorithm, but one of the more heavily weighted pieces is the merchandising. Do you have a fully merchandised car with photos, video, descriptions, and other pieces like that? Um, so while they may not be able to search specifically for that, um, and while I think that that does actually have some merit, uh, how the cars show up uh, on a site like AutoTrader is based on the merchandising quality. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so video, we talked about that. Anything else as far as the VDP and in engagement? I guess it seems to me that we've moved here. That years ago a dealer might have looked at, okay, how many VDPs are getting on my cars? But now it's really what's going on when they're on the VDP. Yeah, yeah. Well, what gets me excited is the future and where we're going as an industry when it comes to merchandising. And I think that when, you know, at first, when I talked about the basic blocking and tackling of performing merchandising, photos, descriptions, uh, you know, priced competitively to the market, we now have what was a very uh, forward thinking metric is now becoming the basic blocking and tackling of measuring. And that's search results pages and vehicle details pages. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you're not doing that today, if you aren't um, looking at that, how is your inventory performing in terms yeah. of SRPs and VDPs, you're really behind the eight ball now. There's a lot of different tools and ways for you for you to do that. Uh, and I know a lot of our V Auto clients are, are looking at that all the time and they need to keep doing it. But you make a really good point and as we move forward, it's it's you really got to get the VDP measurement in there. But then what happens after that click occurs? And this was something I was always very interested in. And I was at driving sales uh, at the end of 2017, and this company called Speedshift Media mm -hmm. um, actually did a did a readout, a study, kind of like a, a keynote at driving sales. And they did a study where they looked at several thousand vehicles. Uh, across uh, across the country, 100 plus dealerships. And what they did was they mapped every engagement on the VDP. They were able to do Google tags and yeah. really be able to identify what happens after the vehicle details page is entered. Mm -hmm. And they categorized it a bunch of different ways. They did uh, you know social clicks, like click to share on Facebook. And uh, you know there's other links like Carfax. They did uh, text uh, and chat. Uh, and then they did media engagement. So what happens with the photos or the videos, uh, how, how much engagement was going on there. And what they did was they looked at those vehicles over the whole time that car was online and for sale. Mm -hmm. And what they wanted to find out was, can they correlate 
engagement with one of those key categories to the car selling. Mm -hmm. So like a hypothesis maybe could have been uh, when a, a car shopper enters into a, a chat experience with a dealer, that means that car is going to sell soon because we have someone that wants to engage with me on mm -hmm. chat. Well, SpeedShift Media actually found the opposite. Now, while all of those elements, chat and social sharing, Carfax, those are all very um, necessary and good pieces of a vehicle details page. But when they were interacted with, that did not correlate to the vehicle being closer to sell. Hmm. The only metric or the only series of metrics that did was media engagement. The more the photos were being cycled through, the more plays the video was getting, on that site, the closer that vehicle was to, to selling. And that was just a study in a vacuum. And we need to kind of keep pushing as an industry to get there because I can see dealers just doing such interesting and cutting edge strategies if they can get access to information like that. And when it comes to pricing or when it comes to placement or when it comes to what cars to bring in and how, if we understand that behavior on the VDP, I think it can really help drive how far we are how far so you've just described you know I guess while you were talking there Russ it occurred to me that you know even to this day I, I do think that there's general awareness of the importance of Google Analytics yeah. you know for a dealership website to understand who's going where what are they looking at but what we're describing here might be broadly described as VDP analytics yeah um, so how soon and, I, and I'm thinking back to our conversation earlier about photos. You know, yeah. you got the guy out there with 70 photos. You got some folks out with 24. Uh, you got some research saying 10 or 12 is, is enough. We will arrive at a time, it sounds like, when I, as a, if I were a dealer, I would know for this car, 15's fine. Mm. Take 15 photos of this car, maybe it's 32 for this one, and call it good. Yeah. Or how soon would that day arrive, you think? Yeah, so in some, in some respects, we're already there. I, I'm seeing a few different pieces. You've got um, some good analytics on the dealer.com side mm -hmm. um, in, in what they're doing in their scoring of VDPs and how it's going. There's other uh, providers outside of Cox Automotive as well that are starting to leverage Google Tags for their customers to create analytics and dashboards that measure more than vehicle details pages, that measure different interactions on the vehicle details page. I, th I still think there is a little bit more work to do and a little bit more data to kind of consolidate and house and then do things with to get kind of that mass adoption that we're looking for. But that day, the day is kind of upon us and I can just see it growing from here. Interesting. Well, thank you, Russ, for taking time with us today. Uh, any other final merchandising points? I feel like we've covered consumer behavior, how technology is changing. We just came out of a, a little bit of a deep dive into analytics and measurement. Of course, it's always important to you know, inspect what you expect and measurement's key. Um, any other big points uh, before we go? One final one, Lance, yeah. and it's back to the video point we were, we were discussing. So we talk about uh, two different types of video. You've got a live video, which is actually walking around the car, right. and you've got a, a slideshow video, which is essentially the photos stitched together and they kind of creates this slideshow video. Huh. And both of them are, are good tools to be used. But we talked about like how do we operationalize video. And if you have 300 cars on the lot and you need to go shoot a live walk around video for all of them, that may not be feasible. So you want to be really selective sometimes about which type of cars. Is it a distressed piece of inventory? Or is it a really flashy piece of inventory that we want to capture a live video on? 
And from a technology perspective, we've seen a kind of stair step now from live video to actually immersive 360 captures, where it's not just a video playing, it's actually a consumer clicking and spinning that car around or going into the interior and being able to click and move that vehicle around so they're interacting with the, the vehicle the way they want to. And we've seen a lot of great uh, integrations across the industry where they're adopting 360 technology. 360s are now on AutoTrader and, 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 and several other websites. Um, so as we start to think about how to create that differentiated immersive experience, um, you know, when we talk about video, let's not forget that next step that is upon us now, and that's being able to capture 360s. And I can imagine uh, the dealers and managers who may be listening are perhaps thinking, that sounds an awful lot more cost effective than having somebody go out and shoot a video on every car and take the time to upload it and all that. That's right. Russ, it's been a pleasure talking to you today about the elements of successful merchandising. Thanks for joining the V-Auto podcast. Thanks for having me. Great jamming with you, Lance. Uh, I dig it. I dig it. Folks, thank you, too, for joining us. This is Lance Helgeson signing off from another episode of the V-Auto Podcast. Look for upcoming episodes very, very soon. We appreciate your interest and listening in. Until then, take care and stay well.